Today on the Midweek Move, we're going to discover a time that Mary became a Disney princess. Hello, welcome to the Midweek Move, podcast of Stitch in the Hill Place. It's a podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here right now? Pastor's asking what happened with my intro, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for context of that statement, uh, I'm going to take a back. So for those who don't know, I'm, I'm as, along with being the media director here at the Young Place, I'm also the student pastor, and right now in the student ministry, we're talking about uh, when you read the Bible, you have to understand genres and different things, and uh, we're talking about narrative, there's poetry, and, and, and some other things, and I was talking about how sometimes they're intermixed. You know, we're reading mainly a, the last couple weeks we've been reading mainly a narrative. But here in a second, we're going to see poetry. And so I was talking with the students. I actually referenced this very passage a couple weeks ago. I was like, all of a sudden, there, here's this narrative. And then Mary busts out like a Disney princess in song, just singing. Because <laughs> that's what we're going to discuss is there's a song that Mary has. Yeah. It's, it's um, that I, I believe in the church world, they call it the, the Magnificat yep. or something like that. And uh, it just, it, to us, it feels so random out of place as a, 20th century reader, but this... But it's not the only place in the Bible that that happens. You exactly. have the Song of Deborah, which was incredible mm -hmm. because it was a woman who did not want to lead, but because the others in the tribes would not lead, the men mm -hmm. would not lead, she was forced to lead, which then she lays out a mandate and says, mm -hmm. okay, if you're not going to lead, now I'm going to lead, I get to I get to get the head. Yeah. I get... I'm going to take like care of it. Like, it's not going to be accounted to you. <laughs> right. It's going to be accounted to me. I don't want to do this. Right. And there's this amazing song. We have the song of Moses. We have mm -hmm. several different aspects where the people of God in moments all of a sudden, and of course we know the psalmist, all of them, we know that that was one of the main things for them was, right. was to, to break out in praise or worship mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. But, yeah, it's not singular unto Mary which helps us to understand why that happens. Exactly. It is a uh, music and songs. It's for all of eternity. God's used it to teach us and help us grow. But it's an expression of the soul oftentimes. And when you see the uh, throughout the scriptures where it's taking place, there's generally a reason why they're doing it. Uh, when you mentioned Moses earlier, when he brought out in song, he gives a beautiful description of the parting of the Red Sea that's so vibrant. It yep. is so like when you read it and you go, Man, you know, God breathes in, and then the 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 waters part, and it's almost like a, you know, it paints a picture that puts you in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mary's song that we're going to talk about today, it's an expression of what God's done inside of her, and it has some prophetic uh, implications at the same time. Sure does. So that tends to happen when an angel visits you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, verse thirty-nine of Luke chapter one. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. All right, so Mary wastes no time and heads to Judah to see Elizabeth, her cousin who she didn't even know was pregnant. Now, what makes this um, determination to see the glory of God on display so amazing is, uh, I didn't know this until I looked into it, this is a 50 to 70-mile trek. Well, most believe, historically, it's closer to about a hundred miles. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And if you if you lay it out like when you're in Israel mm -hmm. and you would going out to the Judean wilderness uh, to where this location would be, 
you're looking at probably 100 miles. Oh, man. See, I was just doing the quick math for 50 to 70 miles. Just that, for 50 miles, that's a 16-hour walk. Yeah. And then you're saying it's 100 miles. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's closer to 100 miles. That's a long trek for a, yeah, a young lady. Yeah, and very rarely did they ever do that in one. It's Spread. exactly what they would do in a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. If they would take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it would be weeks. It would be months mm-hmm. from from the nations. And so, uh, again, you had to you had to have uh, food. You had to have water. You had mm-hmm. to have certain things with you just to be able to go from town to town. Mm-hmm. Again, they're not jumping in an Uber and, Right. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> jumping to Uber. Yeah, they're not jumping in the car or whatever. It's like, you know, you're walking. And so you're talking 100 miles. You know, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, and I was wondering if you could help me out with something. I, I, I have um, a great resource that's in my Bible, and I have a book also, and it's called The Harmony of the Gospels, where it lines up the Gospels uh, together. So you can see things lined up. And I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of judging. Maybe you have better, but Luke doesn't make note of the angel speaking to Joseph about right. Mary. Matthew does in his yeah. gospel. But when she takes off on this trek to go see Elizabeth, do you do you suppose perhaps this is before Joseph's been made aware or is this um, after Joseph's been made aware? No, it seems likely that Joseph doesn't know until she comes back. So she comes back. That's what I was kind of leaning and towards. And so you're three months or so. So when she comes back... Because Matthew's account verifies that Joseph was going to call everything off. Right. He's going to divorce her. Mm-hmm. And then gets visited by the angel. Right. Which means that he has to know and see that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so everything that, that I've ever studied, everything that I've ever looked into, it seems likely that Joseph doesn't know until she comes back. Right. Which kind of adds to the the height of this whole. <laughs> Which is like, hey, Joseph, I'm here. Yeah, oh. <laughs> what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, he he had to see her to make the decision to mm-hmm. divorce. Right. And and which again, we throw that word around in these days, but to divorce then, mm-hmm. especially to a betrothed from the families they were from, that would have been a. Mm-hmm. He was showing her a kindness by willing to put her away, send That's right. her off somewhere else. That's right, because that would have been a, again, s- imprisonment for some, stoning for others. I mean, it was a big deal. Yeah. Again, we read it in our own context, but when you read it in the context, yeah. but but again, most everything that I have seen and, and I believe right. is that Joseph didn't know until she came back. Mm, that would make sense. And we'll get into a little bit like that later uh, here in a second. Uh, but okay, cool. All right, verse 41. Yes, sir. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, mm. and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Imagine that. The Holy Spirit fills you, and your mouth opens, Woo. and you get loud. Mm. Imagine that. Fascinating. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh. oh, and um, well, let's, let's jump into that. I'm gonna read verse forty-three. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't just making a funny; I was making a statement. Yeah, it's it's a good statement though. <laughs> yeah, because I think Elizabeth was called a righteous woman, mm-hmm. right before yep. God, mm-hmm. walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Yep. And now she's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she speaks out with a loud voice, which was unbecoming of a woman. 
unbecoming of an elder woman, mm -hmm. unbecoming of an elder woman from the priesthood, mm -hmm. and yet she still does it. Yeah. Why? Because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. All right, verse 43. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mm. Now, this is a, a really beautiful and interesting moment that takes place in the Scriptures. John, uh, in uh, in the the womb, recognizes the divine of Jesus within Mary and leaps within Mary's womb. And then uh, this passage tells us that well before Pentecost, yeah, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth then is led to... Not just the Holy Spirit coming upon her. And there is a difference between those vocabulary Which is what we saw a lot in the Old Testament was mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit would come upon. But this is that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, That's right. And again, keep in mind, this is Luke writing this. Yep. The man who documented people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, he used vocabulary filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. In his mindset, when he writes that Mary, that Elizabeth was filled, it's the same thing as what's taking place in Pentecost. And Luke is not the radical, wild Peter. He's a physician. Exactly. He's very well thought of. He's very well respected. And he's very methodical in his thinking. Right. Because he thinks like a physician. Mm -hmm. So for him to be able to use terminology like this, goes beyond the pale of his natural gifting and inclination. Right. So again, I think people miss that in Luke's writings um, of who is writing this. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a shotgun prophet, mm -hmm. right? It's it's not just somebody firing off stuff. This is a this is a man who thinks things through. This is a man who's very intentional about what he does. He's very serious about what he does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he is the one who, who lays out all of these miracles and all of these signs and all of these wonders and the things that the Holy Spirit does, I think is very intentional on the part of God, but it also speaks to the supernatural nature and Luke's willingness to submit to God to go beyond his own personal inclination. Yeah, absolutely. I can say all I want to. Well, I'm inclined <laughs> to because of my personality. Well, what you've just said is, that God can't do anything beyond your personality. Mm. And you now you've made God man-like. Yeah. You've created the image of God in the image of man. Yeah. And I think that's what tends to happen, and I'm not going to say any specific group of people, but <laughs> we can all do it. Yeah. When we bring God down to our place mm -hmm. and we almost create him in man's image or man's thoughts or man's personality or the way that I think it should be, and then we strip our God of the supernatural, creative nature of himself, mm -hmm. and we make him like any other God's little G. Mm. And now he's not the creator of the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just a little added thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So uh, I do think it's amazing that she says, blessed are you among women. This is a, this is a young girl. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth, priesthood, and an elder woman. And she says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But she says in that, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mm. Here's this elder statesman, this woman mm -hmm. who she doesn't have to say that. Right. But yet she is, she is throwing this blessing upon Mary and confirming to Mary the Holy Spirit is confirming through Elizabeth, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, right? confirming to Mary, you are the one to bring forth the Son of God. 
Yeah. Not that Mary needed the confirmation, mm. but we know that when the angel came and told her and she said, let it be unto me according to your word, that she was troubled. Mm-hmm. But here is God giving her a confirming word through someone she trusts yeah. and she knows to be a righteous woman. Mm-hmm. Again, God will use people to confirm his word to us. Right. And, and, and through their lives, God will confirm what he's speaking to us and about us. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great example of that. It's a fantastic example. And I'll say this. There's something about an older person coming to a younger person and affirming what God's done in their lives. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth is walking in a miracle, in a glorious moment right now. She is about to give birth yep. to a son that she's prayed for for a while. She has all the rights to be like, look what God's done for me. But now she's looking at Mary and she goes, look how amazing God's treated you. It's not about her in this moment. Yep. Now, there is the understanding that she's going, this is the Lord God. This is the Messiah that's inside of you. There's the aspect, but there is an aspect of her her own humble heart going, I am so excited for you. Yep. There are so many young people who just need an older person to go, I'm proud of you. Yep. Look at what you're going through. This is amazing. Yep, absolutely. Verse 44. Uh, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Awesome. Now, some scholars have noted that Elizabeth's uh, blessing here, uh, and this is interesting, I hadn't, I'd never thought about this. Um, it's something that she should have heard from her own husband. This this whole blessing of, blessed is he who is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which uh, were told for her from the Lord. Her husband should have been able to declare these things over her, but she couldn't, because he was made mute by the angel. And yet, even though she never heard these words, she's hacking an opportunity to give those to Mary. Again, like we we're talking about earlier. There is a, a younger generation that they just need affirmation. They need you to speak into it. You may never have gotten it. There are a lot of things that I just didn't get from my dad right. that I didn't get uh, from other people. But there are young people in my life that I'm like, man, I want to give you this. I want to pour into you on this because you need this in this moment right here. Mary is going through a world of emotions. She yeah. took a, a several-day trek <clears throat> to come see a woman who she didn't even know was pregnant. She's hearing the word of the Lord saying that she's about to be pregnant. She's betrothed. She understands that if this is real, that people are going to look real shady at her, and it's risking her family, mm-hmm. her life. And here's this woman of God who's going, I'm excited for you. Look at this blessing that's in front of you. There are people today who need this just as much yep. as Mary did. Absolutely. So, all right. So now we get into uh, Mary's uh, Disney audition <laughs> <laughs> with a song. Uh, and it, cause it, again, the church history, we call this the Magnificat. And, um, as we go through this section, we're going to notice several things. First, it's heavily rooted in the old Testament knowledge. Yeah. Like Mary has this locked down. That's right. Uh, specifically, uh, there's a lot of callbacks to Hannah's own prayer in first Samuel chapter two. Mm-hmm. Now we should not be surprised that a faithful Jewish woman has this Old Testament knowledge. That's not the miraculous aspect of it. This is to be expected, obviously. Now, the second thing is uh, it highlights not only God's grace to help those who are burdened but and downcast, but also seems to suggest a humbling of those who are elevated by earthly structures, earthly manners. And third, it transcends Hannah's song and points heavily to the messianic qualities, which kind of tells us that 
Mary's aware of the implications of what's taking right. place. She knows <clears throat> who she carries in her in her womb. And uh, so this is a, a really interesting thing to go through. So let's, uh, let's dive into it, Pastor. All right, Song of Mary. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. All right, so Mary begins by giving praise to God for what he's already done. She does so with, and I love this, humility. She's just a humble individual. She's understanding her place in this. She recognizes that she is a humble servant, but it is the greatness of God, uh, God's grace, uh, is why she's uh, being called blessed. And I wanted to ask you about this. It's so easy for us to become <clears throat> prideful when we have found ourselves in a situation where we are blessed profoundly. At the same time, there are some people that in an, in an attempt to remain humble, they end up degrading themselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sure. They begin to tear. So it's the, I, I literally just had a conversation with some people about it today about there is a mindset of like, you should just be thankful God even looked at you sideways. He doesn't need you. And there's almost this degradation as you try to remain humble. How do you balance that? How do you stay humble without becoming degrading at the, to yourself into what God's doing inside of you? Because honestly, to me, when people would get that way, they're almost degrading the thing that God's done inside of them. Yeah, which is a false humility, which is pride. Right. And so I, I think that to, you know me, it for me, for a believer, it's all about staying in our identity, mm -hmm. not in our what we do, not in our titles, not what people say we are, mm -hmm. but remaining in our position of our identity in Christ. And when we do that, when we, when we are firmly secure in who we are in Christ as a child of God, we are only a child of God by grace, mercy. Um, but there is an authority that comes for the child of God mm -hmm. that we walk in, that we can walk in with humility, because it's not by my name that anybody can be healed. It's not by my name that anyone can be saved. It's not by my name. If I remain in my position in Christ, I can have a humility that it's not by me, but I can speak his word. Mm-hmm. And I can speak his name. And in his name, demons tremble. Right. And at his word, demons tremble. Right. And that that's not a source of pride for me because it's not my word. Mm. It's his word. It's not my blood. It's through the blood of Jesus. Right. It's not through my spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. And I think that the way that you see that is if it points the attention to you as the person, mm -hmm. it's prideful. Yeah. If it points to him, although it may be with authority, there's humility there because you're not pointing anybody to you right. or your exploits or what you're doing. You're pointing everything to Jesus. Mm. And that becomes clear. And I think the only way you do that is by your position in Christ. Yeah. Where we miss it is whenever we remove or we step away from our position in Christ. Mm -hmm. And now it becomes about, man, I'm building the church. Mm. Man, I'm building this ministry. Man, it's awesome. God's doing great things. God's doing great things. We say God's doing great things, but then we follow it up by, yeah, I've been building this, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing this. And now you've almost taken your first statement and completely removed it because of what you've said after it. Mm. Because I'm not building the church. Mm -hmm. And I know some people would point that to me, and they would be go, 
well, you're the leader and you're supposed to be doing this. And I get this. I am, I am a leader, but I'm not building the church. Right. Because that's not what Jesus said was supposed to happen. Right. He said he would build his church. Right. And the gates of hell will not prevail against. Come on, Scott. Look, Jesus isn't going to talk to the architect, and he's not going to talk to the, you know, the land guy, and he's not going to talk to that. Yeah, we're talking to them, and we're putting plans together, but hopefully those plans are from the Lord. Mm. And we don't think that we're building the church. We're building the building. Yeah. We're buying a property. Mm-hmm. We're not building the church. Exactly. We can build a building and not be building the church. Yeah. Because Jesus isn't building the church. Mm-hmm. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's us. He is building us. And if he is building us up, and he says not just living stones, but he's building us up into a body, mm-hmm. right, the church, then if he's building it, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If we're building it, then the gates of hell will prevail against it all day long. Right. So I think that the way that, that, that we stay humble yet walk in authority is all based on our identity in Jesus mm-hmm. and being secure in that. Yeah. And I think where you come from, where you're talking about people degrade themselves, mm-hmm. it's because they have a question about their identity in Jesus. They mm-hmm. have an insecurity right. that they are not a child of God. Mm-hmm. And when you have an insecurity that you're not a child of God, mm-hmm. then you will degrade yourself. Right. You will demean yourself. Mm-hmm. And my thing would be, would God say that about you? Yeah. And again, we can take that to the nth degree where you know, God loves everything. and He doesn't. He hates sin. Yeah. And you know what? If we're in willful, constant sin, he hates that. Yeah. He hates it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no getting away from that. That's the word of God. Yeah. And some would be like, well, it's God of the Old Testament. Well, you read the writings of Paul, God's still not okay with everything. Exactly. And so I think that we look at it as is this compassionate, loving father who is still going to get justice. Righteousness is still going to dictate justice happens. Exactly. And there has to be justice and that he is still the judge. Mm. We don't fear that mm-hmm. if we're secure in our identity in Jesus. Right. We don't fear that. Mm. We have a healthy awe and reverence and wonder of God. And I had this in the Bible reading plan this morning. Can I say this? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was Acts. Uh, it was in... Uh, the book of Acts, mm-hmm. and it was in uh, chapter 2, and it was about um, it was about the fear of the Lord, having a, a fear of the Lord. And it said that miraculous things were happening, miracles were happening, like everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And, and in these miracles happening, that the disciples, they were all together, with one, and they shared all things in common, right? Right. So they had everything, and it was Acts two forty three. Fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And here was my thought this morning, early this morning as I was praying. Do we have so much divisiveness in the body of Christ? And do we not see as many miracles today? Because we have lost the awe and the reverence of God. Mm. A true healthy fear of God. I think if you talk to most Christians, they would say, well, we're missing miracles and we're missing this. And we're very few would say the fear of the Lord. Mm. 
And I believe that one thing that Mary had was a healthy fear of the Lord. She wasn't afraid like Zacharias. His wasn't just a fear of the Lord. He was afraid. Right. Hers was she was troubled mm -hmm. because she had a healthy reverence for the Lord. Right. We take the things of God so lightly today. Mm. Even doing the things of God, we take them so lightly that I think we've lost our fear and our reverence for God. And because of that, we don't see as many miracles. And because of that, we're as divisive as ever in the yeah. body of Christ. I know that may not have a whole lot to do with what we just <laughs> talked about, but I just think it fits. It does. Well, of, of how we don't become prideful and how do we stay humble without being becoming yeah. degrading. And I think having a, an awe and a reverence for God. Right. Because if we have that, we will stay securely in the position mm -hmm. of our identity in Jesus. Well, in that whole conversation, it, it fits in beautifully into the last portion of this, of this verse that we're going to read here in a little bit um, about the fear. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, let me, let me just jump down to it real quick, and that is in um, to the bottom half of, of, of her song. Uh, she says, he has helped his servant Israel and remembrance. That's not where I was talking about. Where is that? I've lost it now. But there's an aspect where she talks about those who fear the Lord. Um, here it yeah, is. Yeah, verse 50. Yeah. And in his mercy, his mercy is on those who fear him mm. from generation to generation. Right. This speaks to what you were talking about. That's that's why she's humble. Yep. Is because she fears the Lord. That's right. And, and when it talks about from generation to generation, this is something that's passed on to. This is a understanding that's been given to her by her forefathers. And we've, we, we, we're in a, a season here at the Healing Place. We start off with a very specific verse. Um, it's uh, Psalm 145, um, verse, I can't remember the, the four. verse 4. Yep. Uh, and it's talking about um, passing things off from generation to generation. One generation shall declare, shall your, declare mighty works. your works to the next generation and declare your mighty acts. Yes. Back and forth. This is a key aspect that is essential. The reason why Mary is in the position that she's in is she's humble, and if she was taught to be humble, yep. not in a demeaning type of because that's sometimes people like try to do that. This was just an aspect of who she was as a woman of God, serving God, and we have to pass that on to the next generation, passing on the humble nature. And again, when we say fear, it's not, oh, he's going to crush me. It's the awe. It's the reverence. It's mm -hmm. the fear of going, man, this is my God. This is the creator of the universe. Yep. This is the one who looked at nothing and said, let there be light who formed the earth. The one who knows every hair on my head. This is the divine being who said, I love you so much. I don't want to leave you in sin, and I'm going to sacrifice my son so you don't have to. And I believe what we'll see later is that Zacharias, his, his fear, which was an afraidness, mm -hmm. in his nine months of silence, mm -hmm. then turns to awe and reverence for the plan of God yeah. for his son mm -hmm. because we see it in his prophecy that he gives yeah. after he's filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Zacharias and Elizabeth were filled with the Holy Spirit, not just pre-Pentecost, mm -hmm. before Jesus was born. Yeah. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Can we read 
54 through 56. Let's do it. All right. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and as he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house, which would have been the house of her father. Right. So here we are. She's wrapping it up, this song, by giving thanks and, and remembering that God has helped his servant Israel. He's been with his people every step of the way. He's not abandoned them. He's been with them every step that they've made and every misstep that they've made. Yep. And he's been faithful to Abraham, his seed forever. It's not a new thing that he's doing. This is something God has said, I've, I'm faithful. <laughs> I'm here with you every step of the way. And then she goes off, and we talked about this. Likely she's going back to her house with her father, and then three months by three months, a woman who's pregnant is beginning to show. That's right. She has to have a very uncomfortable conversation with the man she's betrothed to. Yep. But we know that that turned out well. We do know that. <laughs> so good stuff. And many do believe that she was there when John the Baptist was born. Mm. Right. They do. That was a question I had for you because again, it's it's not really. And many believe that it's a parallel to. Her seeing the forerunner mm-hmm. for her son, mm. actually seeing him, mm-hmm. who leaped at the connection with her son. Right. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Well, guys, we want to hear from you. How does this encourage you? How does it challenge you? What have you learned? Uh, what 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 have, have you grown from this? Reach out to us, MediaHub at thbstreetport.com, or check out the Facebook page, uh, Midweek Move. And do us a favor, leave comments on the YouTube channel. It actually helps to algorithm get it out hit like button all that good stuff uh until then we love you we care about you until next time have a great week